0: I recommend a
1: review for penalty. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Refnex podcast. Today, I'm joined with entrepreneur, inventor, and referee, Kevin Hutton. Kevin, how are you doing today?
0: I'm good, man. How are you?
1: I'm doing great, Kevin. So, today, we both you want to talk about a few different things like refereeing, and of course, your company, RefScore, which has been doing pretty well recently.
0: Yeah, it is, yeah. Um brainchild of mine back in 2008 can you believe but i only actually launched the company in 2016 so there's a big gap there to fill in uh, now for you which i can give you some background and history if, if you want
1: thank you kevin but before we get into that how about you tell us a little bit about yourself for those who don't know you at home and your background in refereeing
0: Sure. So my full name is Kevin Horton and I'm from the UK. I'm from a city called Preston, which is in the north of the UK, close to Manchester and close to Liverpool, about 30-40 minutes away from those two major cities and major footballing uh, cities. Preston uh, are my team, my home team and the team that I support And actually, Preston North End, we are one of the founder members of the Football League. So we are one of the originals, the original originals that founded the Football League in England. And currently, we are residing around mid-table of the Championship, which is just below the Premiership. So that's a little bit about me. I'm a 44-year-old single father of a -a 10-and-a-half-year-old, nearly 11-year-old girl who is an incredible athlete. Uh, She aces everything that she does and um, i'm an extremely proud uh, dad and support her so much in everything that she does and she's always told and always encouraged never give up and always do whatever you want to do and i will support it no matter what it is
1: yeah kev so one question there um are you a referee do you have friends who are referees and how, how did you get into making refereeing products
0: okay good good question so we wind the clock back to when i was in college and university um, so, we're talking in the uh, mid 1990s now, uh, mid to late 1990s. Um, I was a football coach, soccer coach for your American listeners. And I was a soccer coach from the age of 17. And I used to work for somebody who ran um, soccer clubs called Hotshot Soccer School around my local area. And I was one of his um, top coaches. And over the next couple of years, I carried on working as a coach, collecting my coaching badges and stuff. And when I finished university, I went on to uh, a job. But in my holidays in the job, I took them off to go back to the coaching because that's what I missed. That's what I really wanted to do. So I used all my holidays up to go coaching again. And then the guy who ran the coaching company said that he was leaving. He was leaving the city to move um, down south near London. And I knew that this was my passion. This is what I wanted to do. So basically, I filled the gap and filled the void, cutting a long story short, which is a really good long story, to be honest with you. And I set up my own business at the age of about 21, running football uh, coaching academies in schools for after-school clubs, Preschool clubs, during school clubs, and holiday clubs. And within six months, I had franchised the company nationwide off the back of my pilot scheme, which was a phenomenal success. And my business partner and I, um, very, very important person to me, and I've got to name him, Paul Littlefur, who's been so important to me in my life as a mentor, as a father figure, and as a brother, you know, Um, were. We're the best of friends and we can trust each other in in everything that we do. He's been so influential in my life and given me a big break in in business. And as I said, he's a great mentor as well. We um, got together and franchised this business, as I said, nationwide. And before you know it, we've got 40 franchises running all over the country of the UK. Interestingly enough, one of the first people that bought a franchise is the current football manager of Blackpool FC which are also in the championship and are Preston's main local rivals only 20 minutes away up the road and um, he is the current first team manager and he was the first person to ever purchase a franchise off me and Paul and our company which is a crazy um, circle of events in life that he's now this big time manager it's it's, it's incredible He he was previously Liverpool under 23's manager um, and that's a, a really big um, job in itself as well, for for being for being at, at Liverpool, one of the top top teams in the country. So we started the the company in two thousand and one. In two thousand and two, we had our first franchise. Now, of course, as you know, when you're football coaching children, you're refereeing every single day, because not only doing drills. You're doing mini matches, mini games, short-sided games, small-sided games every single day. So you're refereeing. As the years went on, the business grew and grew and grew. And then as a lot of businesses do, it peaks and then it starts to decline. And it goes and it drops off a little bit. I started losing my passion for it in about 2010. Maybe I'd be doing it too long. There was lots of bureaucracy within schools and the local councils at the time as well. And I am quite outspoken, I'm quite opinionated, and I will say it like I see it all the time. And I didn't agree with a lot of the things that was going on with the schools and the council. Uh, But I started to lose my passion for it. So I started to think of my exit plan, how we could move away from the business, move on to other things. At the same time, myself and my coaching partner, um, not Paul, he was my business partner, but my coaching partner, my right-hand man in, in my own coaching organisation, we were also running lads teams um, every Sunday as well in two age groups. And when they started to get to the under 16s level, they start to finish and they go into adult football after, after that, the next season. So when they finished, me and my coaching partner said, We're not going to carry on anymore. We want our life back at weekends and stuff. You know, we want to do other things. But I said to myself and my partner at the time, I really want to stay involved in some way. So I think I'm going to take up refereeing. I'm refereeing every single day anyway. So why don't I do it? So I approached my local FA. I'm quite friendly with some people there anyway. And there was one man. He's um, he, he's passed now, a couple of years ago, bless him. Absolute legend in, in local football called Jim Bryson. I'm seven foot tall, gentle giant, absolutely lovely man. Couldn't couldn't do enough for you. What, what a top bloke. He remembered me because 10 years previously, I had applied to become a referee and he, he must hoard everything. He pulled out my original application out of his drawer and he said, I've still got it here. Why didn't you carry on with it, lad? And I went, I was just had too many commitments, university, blah, 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 blah. And he said, do you realise that on the very same day that you applied to become a referee, a young man called Neil Swarbrick applied at the same time as you? And I went, no way. For anybody who's not familiar with this name here, Neil Swarbrick went on to become one of the top Premier League referees in England, um, having um, had a very, very successful career in the lower leagues. I think he served about five seasons in the Premier League. I think he did a cup final and stuff as well. But he was very local to me. He lives very close to me. And I actually used to teach his children at school during my football coaching as well. So it was a kind of um, a weird thing that he'd applied. And then Jim Bryson said to me, can you imagine where you would be now? Because at that time, Neil was like top referee in the championship, very close to getting promoted to Premier League. And I was like, oh, mate. Well, it is what it is. It happened. And, you know, uh, and then as I then went through my badges for refereeing, um, it ended up coming full circle that Neil was appointed to me as my mentor in refereeing. And um, he used to come and watch my matches when he wasn't refereeing at the top level and stuff like that and give me pointers and what have you. And I quickly rose through the ranks of refereeing and without wanting to blow my own trumpet, but I'm going to anyway, um, I was very good. My man management was incredible. In six, seven seasons, a referee and I only ever sent off five people. And two of that was for a fight in the last minute of a cup final. And I couldn't do anything about it because they're hitting each other. And one, uh, two was for um, two yellows. And the fifth one was for handball on the line. My man management skills were, were incredible. But I was opinionated, so I stood out for the right reasons and the wrong reasons because if there was a challenge to be made with bureaucracy, I would speak up. I'm not gonna sit there and nod my head and um, and, and take it off people. We had an incident in a match once where the referee was being bullied by the players coming off the pitch at the end and I was a linesman, the assistant referee, and um, I stood up to the bullies while the referee was just being silent And I stood in front of him and I spoke back to these players and then they snapped on me and they were saying, you can't speak to us like that. I said, excuse me, you're speaking to me and my colleagues extremely poorly beforehand. So what do you want us to do? Just stand here and take it. I actually got disciplined for that. I got pulled in front of the FA's committee and I got suspended for three games because I had an altercation with the players. And in the cha- changing room afterwards, the referee said to me, it doesn't matter what they say and what they do. You have to stand there and bite your lip, bite your tongue and don't do anything. I said, well, that's not me. Um, I'm going to stand up for you and I'm going to support you. And, you know, we're a team. And they were at bang out of order with what they were saying. So with these things going on in the background, this is 2012 now, some personal problems in life, in relationship and in business i had to take a step back from refereeing i actually and i don't mind saying this as well because full honesty and transparency i actually failed my fitness test in 2012 when in the years previous it was just an absolute breeze i could do it in my sleep and i didn't prepare for it in 2012 and i failed it and you could see the disappointment in the faces of the the guys you know the the old school hierarchy in the fa when they they saw that I'd failed it and um, it really cut me deep a little bit but I'd failed myself not just a test so I went into a meeting with them the next week and I said listen I'm going to step away for a little bit I need to deal with these problems at home I've got no problem in my fitness match my match day fitness but I don't know what your fitness test is like in the US but we have to run around a track six times within 12 minutes and it's totally unrealistic because you don't do that in a match you don't do that in a match day scenario, it's stop, start running. So why aren't we trained on stop, start running and, 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 and stamina over a certain amount of time, which there was no problem with me, but I hate boring monotony and running round the track. Plus I wasn't quite mentally right for it. I failed it. So I failed myself and I failed my colleagues, but I stepped back and my last words when I walked out of the office was, I said, um, I'll be back if it sounded like the Terminator. Um, You will see me again. I will be back, but it might not be in the way that you are expecting. Fast forward a couple of years. My exit plan has come to fruition from the football coaching business, and I take 12 months out to reassess and reflect and have some me time. And then I quite literally pull a folder, and literally, and I mean literally and physically, pull a folder off the top of the shelf of my cupboard which is entitled Ref Stuff. And it has been sat there for 10 years. And I opened it and I said, let's start now. Let's begin. A very original, and this, not a lot of people know this, but the very original first product invented and designed by me was in 2008 when I was refereeing and it was absolutely pouring down with rain. I could not write in my scorebook, my wallet. I could not feel my fingers to write, and I could not see. And how I didn't call that game off, I don't know, but the pitch was still decent, it was good. And I went home, driving home, thinking there's got to be a better way to do this than what I am used to. I got home, I ran a bath, I sat in the bath with a notepad and paper, I'm an entrepreneur, I've worked for myself for 25 years, so I'm always active, I'm always thinking of things, always got ideas and businesses to set up. And I started sketching and I invented a score counter which fits onto the whistle. So it fits onto your Acme um, Thunderer or your Fox 40 whistles. And it would be a contraption that just clips onto the whistle. I then approached Acme, which are based in West Bromwich in the Midlands in in the UK, because Fox are a Canadian company, as you will well know. For any Canada um, listeners here at the moment, a lot of Americans do think that Canada is just a small state in the US, so we need to get that out there, Um, A. And I went to uh, Fox, uh, sorry, I went to Acme and I sat down with the managing director. His name is Simon Topman, uh, very eccentric old man, um, lovely bloke. If you actually Google or go on YouTube and type Simon Topman Acme, you'll see some very interesting videos of him around the factory Acme. And um, he told me a story that um, Acme actually um, created the whistles that were used on the Titanic and um, there's even a factory. Um, there's like a tour of relics from the Titanic that goes around the world. I was in Vegas once, and they had they had it in Vegas when I was there. And they've even got the Acme whistles in the uh, display boxes and stuff. Really, really interesting story. And there's um, there's something on YouTube about it as well. It, it is really incredibly incredible watch. So I sat down with Simon and I said, I've got this idea and I think it's going to make a lot of money. And I want to incorporate this into your whistles, the best selling world's whistle. It's a bit easier for me to go to West Bromwich than to nip to Canada to sit down with the Fox family. And Simon sat back in his chair and he said to me, do you know what? In all my years of doing this, no one has ever come up with anything like this. Quite remarkable. And I sat back and I said, Simon, is that a good thing or is that a bad thing? I'm not sure. And he went, oh no, 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 it's a good thing. So we parted and um, he said, leave it with me. We'll get the factory to work on it. And I've still got the prototypes. A Couple of weeks later, some prototypes arrived and they created a whistle um, and with the score counter on it which I then started using in all my matches for several years after, I say several years which is why the folder went on the shelf because Simon called me back to a meeting and he said, um, when you receive the prototype, please um, test it, but then come back and see me, um, because we do need to talk. So we sat back down again and he said, it's a fabulous idea, but it's not going to work. And I went, oh no, please tell me, tell me why. He said, you probably don't realize, but the patent of our whistle is not in the um, shape, The ergonomic design of it, it's actually in the chambers within the whistle and the sound that it makes. And this blew my mind. I'm like, oh, my God, you can have a patent for a sound. And he said, yes. And he said, we have tried our best to build your um, your invention into our whistle. And it affects our sound and it affects our patent. So therefore, we cannot produce it. And the prototype which they made me was something fixed onto the side of the whistle. And he said, I'm sure you'll agree with me. And before he finished speaking, I said, I know, Simon, it's ugly. It's not going to work. It's too big. It's clumbersome. It's it's not attractive to the eye. So why? And he went, I know. And I said, but, Simon, and I turned the pages of my booklet and I said, I've already got a plan B because I think it's very important in life. Have a plan B and have a plan C, always have a backup. Life is like a chess game. Always anticipate everybody else's moves and your own and play life like a chess game. So I do that and I apply that for everything that I do in life. So I turn the page and I turn the page to the ref scorer. The ref scorer handheld piece of equipment, plastic with the clickers on the side and the team colors. And I said, Simon, how about this? He said, interesting. Go away and make it, young man, and come back and see me. Because I said to him, how about we package my ref scorer with your best-selling whistle, and we do it as a duo, and we sell millions across the world. And he's sat there stroking his chin, and he's saying, could be a good idea. Anyway, needless to say, months went on. Months turned into two years before I could get a um, good prototype for the ref scorer and it was difficult prototype after prototype failed and failed and failed and again for listeners now that may be short on motivation sometimes never give up like i said before about my daughter failure doesn't exist the biggest thing about failure is not trying at all so you keep going you try you try you try and Elon Musk once did a very famous interview. And again, you could probably find this on YouTube very easily. Just type Elon Musk failure and it'll come up. And he said similar words. And um, the interviewer said something like, did you not think that when the first um, rocket ship went up and blew up in the air um, that you'd just give up and just, you know, don't bother? And Elon Musk didn't even blink and he stirred that interviewer in the face, said, no, not at all. I'll just do it again and we'll move on. And Elon Musk almost went broke just before he had a successful launch he had borrowed and borrowed and borrowed money our friends and family he was millions and millions and millions hundreds of millions and he, he he would have been absolutely finished if that rocket hadn't have got a successful launch and he's not looked back since and it was a really really um interesting um poignant interview and um it, it, it sat with me for many years but it's it's Things that I apply to myself in day to day life, anyway. So it took me two years to get a successful uh, working prototype of the ref scorer handheld. But during that time, I didn't sit still whilst I'm waiting for them to, to work, basically, to and to be and to look good. I started developing all the other products, and and during this time, um, I'd made lots of contacts over the world. And one being a very big contact in the US, in New York, called Rafael Lazzo, who runs refereestore.com and Soccer Superstore. I think his sister company, something like that, um, or Soccer Official USA, something like that. And um, he became a great advocate and friend as well. We're even Facebook buddies, so he must be a friend. I jetted over to New York, which I thought was a great idea to have a holiday, but also have a business meeting at the same time and charge it to the company. And um, we had a really good couple of days together. And he, amongst other people said, man, your, your biggest seller is gonna be your watch. Cause I showed him all my products and all the ideas for new products. And I said, I know, mate, I know, but it's gonna cost so much money. And i don't have it right now i'm waiting on the first product to be a success and the second and the third and then we'll bring the watch out and he said man you've got to do it now so by hook and by crook which is a um an english saying i don't know if it's you have it over there um, i made it happen and um, again without going into all the details of everything how i made it happen but i did i made it happen and i was introduced to an extremely useful contact here in the uk who put me in touch with a very trusted contact in Hong Kong, who is still my middleman today over in Hong Kong, launching the second version of The Watch.
1: And how has rest been doing? Has it gone all around the world?
0: Yeah, we are all over the world. And do you know what? I'm very, very humble and very, very honoured. Every single day when I see a sale come through and when one pops up from Tokyo, New Zealand, South Africa, and... And, you know, multiple countries in Europe, I have shivers up, up and down my spine. I love it. To know that somebody in New Zealand is using my watch and other products and and, and Tokyo and, oh my God, it, it makes me feel so amazing, so alive, so happy and so humble. I'm really, really grounded with this. And all I want is for my company and my products to literally be offered to every single person in the world who has the opportunity to buy them or not. And I do realize that choice is everything, certainly is. A lot of people will like and trust Casio products. A lot of people will want to use the Spinsor watches. A lot of people are starting to use apps on smartwatches, but there's gonna be a huge percentage of people that will like and want to use my Refscore Digital as well. And you know what? There is plenty of people out there in the world and the choices are good for everyone. Why not? Just keep the choices coming because people will find what they want to use. And I think all those products, which I've just said to you, are fantastic. Every single one of them. I used to wear a Casio watch. I used to wear two Casio watches, different watches, one on each wrist. And every single one of them does something different and offers something different to the user. But to get the plug-in now, and I'll repeat it again later, for my score digital watch, it's the only digital watch in the world and a world's first that allows you to select the team colours and record the score of the match. There's no other digital watch that does this. None. None in the world. Apps do it, but no digital watches. And I've created that, and I've brought that out, and it's selling worldwide every single day
1: right that's good kevin but what other products are you developing for ref stuff
0: okay so we've got a really good range out at the moment of products the refs wallet is an extremely popular wallet and the background behind that is i literally purchased every single wallet on the market that was available to me in the uk and i looked at them and i analyzed them and i literally ripped them up and created a brand new hybrid wallet and sent it to my manufacturers and i said i want you to make this because my ideas was if you remember back to my um uh, my when i said when i was in the rain i could do something so much better than this i applied that to every single product i can make the products which i'm using as a referee better and i can sell these to other referees across the world Um, So I started to do that with every single product which I I started to uh, create and invent and the, I'm not going to lie, the first um, inauguration of the refs wallet was a little bit uh, chunky, a little bit clumbersome and that was partly to do with the magnetic clasp which keeps it closed and it didn't fit good enough in the rear pocket on the shorts. It didn't fit in the top pocket at all, but it was never designed to fit in the top pocket. And I have a theory in life with my products is I want to create quality. I don't want to bring a product out, like you see the plastic, the very simple plastic wallets that are so thin, one millimeter thick thin, that break and rip and tear and and snap after three or four or five games and you have to buy another one every month so you end up buying five six seven every season because the the quality of them is awful now there's two ways to look at that okay for the businessmen that are listening they know that that's great because you keep purchasing the same product so the turnover in your company keeps rolling and rolling and rolling I look at it through those eyes as a businessman, but I also look at it through the eyes of a consumer and I think I wanna buy quality. So what my wallet is designed that you only ever need to buy one. And that's how I wanted to be perceived in my business. I want to be known as quality refereeing products. So that you literally, I am the go-to for refereeing products wherever you are in the world and for whatever products that you want. So that was the background on the wallet why I made it so good um, and quality and then when we brought out the version 2 wallet earlier on this year I improved it so much in so many ways and people listening please check them out online and have a look at the images on the refscorer.com website and that's refscorer.com. The wallet really is quality and the other products I've uh, created and, and brought out are simple things like sweatbands for your wrists I've got uh, pencils which are a brand new one the uh, pencils that clip onto your score sheets um, and even onto your top pocket because I know that they're very popular um, very um, easy to use plastic pencil but with lead on on the bottom of it to use And then, of course, I've got my own matchday score sheets as well, which, again, I've created and designed myself from knowing how poor they were, the ones that I was using when I was refereeing myself. And a whole host of other items as well. One of my best-selling items, can you believe, is my lanyard, my elasticated wrist lanyard, which you attach your whistle to. So we we sell them um, bundled up with a Fox 40 whistle, and we bundle them together cards I've designed my own refs cards my red and yellow my greens and my blues but I've made them quality they don't bend they don't snap you can write on them you can wipe them off and they're branded they're stamped with the company logo and the and the and the product logo refs cards and then we've got a new product out at the moment called refs flags pro which are selling really well at the moment um, but I'm in production. I've been in production for three years. I'm not going to lie to you to bring out my own flags. So that's one product, which hopefully we will see in uh, 2022 will be the refs flags, which again is going to be a brand new invention, not currently available as a referee flag in the world at, at all. And it's it's out there. It's on the internet. So I don't mind explaining what it is. Um, you, you can record the score of the game in the handle of the flag. So the assistants won't need to go into their pocket to record the score on the on the pads and in the wallets. Um, they can just click the, uh, a button or twist the flag to record the score. Um, and another item is called the ref's game, which is gonna be a new version, a plastic version of uh, the wallet, where the cards are kept in the center of the plastic chambers And you press a button for them to pop up like a toaster, like bread out of a toaster. And uh, the card will come up and then you can brandish it to the players, the red and the yellow. So we're working on those. And I'm also working on a really good adaption or adaptation of a referee's kit bag. So it'll be the ultimate best kit bag you can ever imagine. And again, I'm applying the same technique as I did with the wallet. I am looking at all the kit bags out there and I'm building my own as to how I think it could be and should be better than, than the rest. And I will bring these products out and I will have them on sale and offer them to people around the world, 100%. Right,
1: that's great, Kevin. Um, so also looking online into your company, Ref stuff. I also saw that you had a lot of high-profile referees and people using your products, such as Mark Kladenberg. What are some of the most interesting people that have used your products?
0: Yeah, interesting question. So, yeah, Clats, uh, I reached out to Klatz when he was uh, head of referees in the United Arab Emirates in Dubai because he left the Premier League as one of our top refs and one of our most decorated refs of all time um, he left very quickly. It was like, OK, bye. And he's left. But he got this lucrative opportunity over there in, uh, in Dubai to become the head of referees and to really develop the referees over there. Uh, he stayed with them for, I think, 15 months, something like that. And within that time, I'd reached out to him and he loved the watch and he was using it. In fact, he's used it in um, very big international matches as well. And, um, and charity matches, he's, he's used it. So he sent me that really nice picture that you can see on the website of him smiling and, and using it. And uh, I would like more of the pictures and I would like more of referees like that and like him using the stuff. I think one of the most, just to change the question and change the answer a little bit, one of the most challenging things that I have found in the business is apathy and opposition. Also, a lack of capital to invest in advertising, marketing and promotion. Now, I fully believe if I had a bottomless pit of money and I could pump this out every single place and it could be in your face everywhere that the company would have grown a lot faster than it has. But I've had to grow this company pretty much on my own organically over the years with lots of roadblocks, lots of uh, difficulties but I didn't give up. You know, I keep saying that, never give up. My passion is, is with this. So if I'd have been able to pump a lot of money into it and have it out there, then yeah, it could have been seen more, but we've grown it organically. I've got to do a shout out to uh, Mark Rowling, who's based in the Netherlands, who is an absolutely incredible man. Um, I met him as a customer for Ref Stuff when he purchased the watch, the version one watch. He's a corf ball referee and coach. Korfball, if it's not known in the US, is a mixture of the sports of netball and handball and basketball. And it's a hybrid sport and it's played by both sexes as well. And just last year, I think, or the year before, it was finally recognised as an Olympic sport as well um, to be be used because there's no mixed sex sports in in the Olympics and Korfball was finally granted um, its status and it looks an, an incredibly fun game, but it's a very high-scoring game. So they needed something like this. They needed my watch to be able to score the game. So Mark bought this watch. And um, on speaking to him, because he's very active in uh, messaging and stuff like that, he was asking so many questions about stuff. And I started thinking, this guy's very different. And the questions he's asking, they are intriguing me. And I started asking questions back and he started telling me his job, he's a programmer, he's a web developer and programmer and he loves what he does and he can do it in his sleep. And I was like, I really need help my website at the moment. I need to revamp it, I need to change it. And he said, I'll help you if you want. I said, mate, I I, I don't have any money to pay you. He said, don't I don't worry about it. I um I will I'll do it voluntarily. I'm like, you can't. That's incredible. Thank you so much. Are you sure I, I I want to be able to pay you and recompense you for your time and your work? And he was happy to go along with it, you know. And I I have so much time for that man. He's 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 a, a lovely man. And his daughter at the moment, Iris. Shout out to Iris as well. She's actually developing uh, the newest flyer advertisement flyer for the Ref Score digital watch, the new version. Um, so when anybody ever sees this flyer and the artwork for it on the websites, we'll know that Mark's daughter, Iris, has developed that, and it. I've just been sent the, the newest uh, version of it just before we logged on to this podcast, and it's incredible. Her work is fantastic, and it's clear that she gets this talent from her dad who's multi-talented with everything. But um, I must say as well, please, I want to go on record. I do pay Mark. He said he didn't want anything, but he receives money in his bank every month, every six weeks or something. He never expects it. And um, at, at certain times as well, where he would least expect it, like just before Christmas as well, I make sure he's looked after, and I give him products for free as well, and allow him to like resell products and keep the profits and stuff as as a thank you for all his efforts. He's a he's a really really uh, good guy and 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 a great uh, a great teammate. Answering the original question, he is the most interesting person that I've met because of this company. You don't need to be famous. You don't need to be a world-class referee. You just need you just need to know stuff. And he's been very, very valuable for for me. And I, I'm proud to call him a friend.
1: Right, Kev, but backtracking a little bit there, I also know you mentioned a little bit about you saw some opposition while trying to start ref stuff.
0: Mm. Oh, yeah. I'm glad you pulled me on that. I skirting on that quickly. Apathy and opposition. Apathy is laziness, giving people the opportunity to run with things, to earn money from things. Ambassadors, for example, met with apathy. Maybe people are in the comfort zone. Maybe they don't like the terms that's offered. But maybe you should speak up and maybe you should challenge me, speak to me and we can work something out, point out something, give me criticism, give me feedback. I welcome it, I always welcome it. So we've had apathy from not only ambassadors, but also other people in the industry, in the refereeing industry, local FAs. So I don't know how it's structured in the US, In the US, but over here in the UK, we have our region. So you've got your states and we have something called counties. So that's our state, okay? Within our county, and we have 11 counties, I think, roughly 11 counties. Within the counties, there is one controlling football association, FA, uh, Referees Association. Within that, there are called referee societies because the county could be very large. So there might be five or six societies as well. So in the whole country, there's probably about 110 referee societies and county regional FAs. When I launched the company, I wrote to every single one of them and sent them a letter and uh, free equipment products and reached out to them and said, This is my new company, blah, blah, blah. Everything I said to you earlier, I want to be known as the go-to for refereeing. And they're all independently, uh, they all have to independently raise their own funds. So I've said to them, you can purchase this stuff off me at X price and you can resell it to your referees and you make the money for 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 your society. Nobody took it up. So there is apathy or they think my products are rubbish, trash, or that they think that. But they're clearly not because they're selling all over the world. And there's thousands and thousands of people wearing my watches, holding my ref scorer handhelds, wiping their brow with my sweatbands and pinging the elastic on their wrist with their lanyard whilst blowing their whistle. And many, many other things that they're doing with my products. Why didn't they take me up on the offer? I don't know. But I was told something, and I won't name this person, but he's very high up in the FA. And he said, you're wasting your time with all the FAs around the country. They are lazy and they don't care. They turn up for work. And yes, they've got the best interest of the referees at heart. These are his words. And they look after the referees. But are they interested in earning a bit of money for their society? They know they're going to get bailed out anyway. They don't care they see it as more work for them so they're happy for the referees to find your products independently and organically themselves but they won't push it even my own local fa in lancashire where i knew people and i had inverted commas friends there even they didn't take me up on um on being a partner and, and reselling, so it it made me it made me sad, it made me a little bit angry, made me a little bit bitter, but it also made me very determined to go and make this company a worldwide global success, and show everybody, well, you missed out. Now the door is open for all of them. Anybody listening, the door is always open. You know. I've had to eat humble pie myself many, many times in my life in business and business and relationship and with friends. I want my products in the hands of every single referee in the world or at least give them the option to, to purchase them or to say no. Let's give them the option because we go back to the comment I said before. It's choices for everybody. Everybody has a choice. Everybody's got their own mind. So here are my products, here are somebody else's products. You choose. What does RefStop hold for the future? The future is keep developing all the products. And let's get the plug-in now for the Ref Score Digital Watch version two. Okay, which is going to be out and available. Are you ready? End of October, early November, in time for Christmas. It is absolutely incredible. And please go and check it out on the website, everybody. There's a link on there already at refscorer.com. There's a whole host of brand new features. And if you guys don't know already what the features were in the original watch, they were incredible too. But I've made this watch 10 times better. It's unbelievable. And one of the most important new features of this is it's got interchangeable colored top rings so you can even twist the face of the watch off change the color of it to match the shirt that you were in for your particular match day uh, if you wanted to do something like that um, or you could just wear the standard normal black and silver white watch um which is which is standard there's so many new features packed into it i've changed the uh preset timings I've even enabled a user set timing. So some people were giving me feedback saying, well, I'm a hockey referee and our matches are 17 and a half minutes uh, per half, but I can't use your watch because you've not got that setting. So I'm like, no problem. I will invent that in the next watch. We'll put that into the, the programming. So you can choose your preset match times, which are all standard across the world pretty much. Um, and then you can choose your own as well. Your own preset times. And then we've also even got a kickoff uh, indicator on the match day screen for referees that forget which teams are kickoff. That is pre selected before the match along with the team colours. So everything you need to do, you can look on your wrist, you can record the score of the match, you've got a, an easy reminder of the uh, team colours and also a reminder of the, of the of who, who's had kickoff. And then I've got other functions and features built into the watch, like a pedometer, um, where it tracks your steps, your distance, your calories, and um, and even an interval training timer built into this new watch as well. For anybody that's doing um, hit training, or even if you've got a personal trainer and you want to count the reps that you're doing or the push-ups that you're doing or the squats that you're doing or anything, um, there's, I've just thought of so many things to put into this watch
1: Right, Kev, so I've got one big question for you. Do you regret not continuing your refereeing career?
0: I don't believe we should have regrets in life, okay? That's another thing I stand by. However, if we did, and if you're allowed, the answer would be yes. I do regret not carrying on with refereeing. In the class of referees that I was in, there was certain other individuals. A lot of them were say a lot of them several of them were quite well thought of in the fa and two or three of them over the last two years three years have just been promoted to the premier league um and top end of the championship as well so if i'd have carried on would i be with them it's a very rhetorical question um The answer, if I'm honest with you, as much as I think I was very good, I think the answer is no. I'm not sure I would be with them. I actually think that those individuals were better than me as a referee in being the full package. And what I mean by that is, everything they did behind the scenes and everything they didn't do, such as they kept quiet, and they got on with it. Whereas I was vocal, opinionated, but also very, very good. So would I have got there? I don't know. And, I, and I'm going to use um, a friend of mine as well as an example. You notice I've not named any names here and I'm not going to name any names. Well, there's a friend of mine who is extremely well respected in the local leagues here. And he has been on the periphery of getting promotion to Football League every year for probably the last five six seven eight years and he just misses out he is the most popular referee in our in our county but he's a little bit like me he's outspoken he's opinionated and is that the reason why do they want yes men do they want people to nod and get on with it now don't get me wrong i'm not taking anything away from these lads that have got there the last couple of years they are absolutely fabulous all of them They really are. And they have got a massive future in the game. I really want to name the names, but I'm not going to... Anybody listening will know who I'm talking about. Um, So, yes, I think they were better than me. Would I have been there with them? Probably not. Would I go back to refereeing now? That's been asked of me over the last few years. And I'd say to you, I'm 44 years old. I'm fit. I'm healthy. I'm probably the fittest I've been in my life over the last two years than I've ever been in my life. But where could I actually go now? At what level could I get to? At best, could I get to be an assistant referee in Division 2? Maybe a referee in the middle in conference. That's like League 5, just to give the, the numbers and, in relation. Um, I, I don't think... That's not where I wanted to be. I wanted to be Premier League. I wanted to be FIFA. I wanted to be Champions League referee. So if I can't achieve that, then I don't want second best. So I'm going to go on and strive to achieve everything I can with this company, along with my other businesses, which I run as well, my side hustles and support my partner and and support my daughter, who's going to be in high school next year with everything that she wants to do. And I'm very happy in my little cozy life at the moment. And as long as I can still offer all my, products to every referee, and I can still have that amazing spine-tingling, humble feeling every time a sale comes through from somewhere in the world, then I'm, I'm, I'm going to be a happy man.
1: Thanks, Kev, that's great. Um, but backtracking a little bit to what you said, how has your personality and you being outspoken affected you achieving what you wanted as a referee?
0: i give you the incident that time where I stood up to the bullies of the players you know they made an example of me by suspending me for three games because I stood up for my colleagues when they wouldn't speak back to them and I'm not having it I won't I won't be spoken to in that way by anybody so yeah there was that and you know maybe one or two other things and um as good as I was and and by the way when when you when you turn up as a referee here you will drive onto the car park or whatever and usually groups of lads are um, hanging about talking to each other maybe if it's a Sunday league game they might be smoking a cigarette or whatever and um, they used to see my car pull up and you could see their faces change but for the good way they'd turn to their friends and go we've got him today that's going to be all right he's a good one or they'd smile or whatever or give you a nod and everything and don't get me wrong, they would um, they would try it on. But one of the secrets I used to use as a referee, I used to find out and know who I thought the troublemaker would be straight away. And I would get in his pocket and I would have banter with him through the game. It's almost like calming him down before he does something ridiculous and spoils the game. You know, a little couple of words in his ear or... Um, just just cheeky little comments and they know that you're one of them. And another thing which made it work for me really well and why my man management was good, because my background is coaching. I played the game to an average standard. I'm not going to tell you I was I was a fabulous player in, in my county and sit here and have anything. I was average as a player, but I was I was dependable. And any position you asked me to play, I I could play as well, you know? And um Because I had the coaching background and I'd coached for 20 years, it served me very well by playing and coaching. It served me very well in refereeing because I know what those players are going to do. And I know where they're going to put that ball. One of my claims to fame in refereeing, I have two which stand out. Okay. It's two very funny. And again, it's quite important for referees. I'll tell you, I'll tell you the, the funny one first. I was an assistant referee on a non-league game with a team called FC United. Now, FC United were born out of Manchester United. When Manchester United were bought by the Glazers, the American um, family, there was a lot of uproar and uprest. A lot of supporters left and wouldn't watch the game anymore. And they set up their own team called FC United. FC United got good financial backing from a local businessman and they rose through the lengths of the uh, the ranks of the lower leagues very very fast very quick until they um are in the next rung of the ladder to being knocking on the door of the football league okay and i was appointed as a, a linesman assistant referee to one of their games and the second half i was moved to the other touchline and it was right next to the fans they always had between 2 and 4000 fans on every week this is non league this is crazy a couple of rungs above local park football but a couple of rungs below football league and as i took my position on the line i've got over 2000 fans chanting at me and There will be a swear word. You bald bastard, you bald. And I turned to the fans and I slapped my head like they, we've not got a video, but everybody's gonna have to visualize me slapping my shiny bald head and um, gave them a big smile and a thumbs up. And every single fan in the stand just cheered, clapped and laughed. And I didn't get one bit of stick or grief or abuse for the rest of the game, the second half of the game when I was close to them, because they saw I had a sense of humour and I was a real person. And that's how you man manage people. 2,000 fans in your hand. It was incredible and really incredible moment. And the other claim to fame was, I don't know if you've heard of a professional footballer, England international striker called Jamie Vardy. And uh, he plays for Leicester. I refereed Jamie he, he They could make a movie about Jamie, but I either refereed him or was a linesman, assistant referee to him at every single level of football that he's played apart from Football league and, and Premier League. And I remember saying to him, he was taking a corner, and I was the linesman, and I said to him, "Mate, you are wasted here. What what?" what? And he goes, "I know mate, I know mate. I'm trying." I said, "Keep going, man. Keep going." And um, he then got his move to the next level, the next level. And then a couple of years later, he's playing for um, Fleetwood, which had just been promoted to, um, we call it the conference. And that's like the fifth league. Okay. And um, I was appointed as the referee for a reserve game. And it was Fleetwood against a team called um, Colne, spelled C-O-L-N-E. Now there'd been really, really bad weather for a few weeks and it was in December. So Fleetwood um, put their first team out and the first team had Jamie Vardy in it. And my claim to fame, this is this that is, you're talking to a guy now who failed this fitness test, right? Because he doesn't like running around the track. I kept up with Jamie Vardy when I was the linesman, when he's a striker. I kept up with him and didn't miss a beat. And I kept up with him when he's a striker, when I'm the man in the middle as well. There was a ball over the top and he's sprinting away and I was the closest person to him beating the defenders to watch him slot the ball in the back of the net when they won 9-0 in this in this reserve match fixture. And that's one of my claims to fame because he is recorded as one of the fastest men in the Premier League in England. So um, I kind of like that. So thank you, Kevin,
1: so much for your time. Do you have any closing remarks or thoughts that you like to end off with
0: i'd just like to say anybody who's listening thank you for listening keep supporting podcasts he's got lots of very interesting characters on here speaking maybe not me so much but who knows there might be something in here for someone and if you want to have a choice of different refereeing products and equipment please give my website a check refscorer.com If you don't want to pay the shipping fees from the UK and have it literally packed by myself and my family, because we do it by hand ourselves, then you can buy all my products on amazon.com. And it'll, as you well know, it'll be on your doorstep within a day or two and sometimes the same day. So anything that you want to buy from the ref stuff range is available on amazon.com. So um, please have a look at it all and please try it out. And so final question, where can our listeners connect with you online? So you can always go to the website refscorer.com. You can, from there, you can find all the social media handles for Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and even our YouTube channel with easy to watch and understand user information, demo videos for the watch and other products as well. And so you can interact with us on there anytime at all. And I welcome questions. I welcome interaction. I welcome feedback. The amount of emails I've had over the years, suggesting things that could be incorporated into my products, uh, all the products, not just a watch. I've taken every single one of them on board. I have a file and I look at them every time I'm going to redevelop a product and I incorporate people's comments.
1: Thank you, everybody, for listening to this episode of the RefNext podcast. Make sure you go to refnext.org to see our full catalog of podcasts. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you all to the next episode. Goodbye.
0: I'm recommend a review for penalty.